Hello friends! This is People Are Interesting with Jan K. In each episode of this show, unique individuals share stories that take us on a ride across ideas and places. Featuring crocodile attacks in Indonesia, escaping war-torn Lebanon, and shark protection schemes in Mauritania. This podcast takes you where you've never been before. Enjoy and thank you for joining the club. With me is Paul D'Ambrosio, and we are going to be talking about living in Brazil, the culture of native folk there, and the ayahuasca ceremony. We are also going to be talking about holistic health and what average Joes like myself can do to feel better and and just uh, take advantage of, of the medicine that is not only, I would say, conventional and interventionist medicine, the kind we get in a hospital. So without further ado, thanks very much for accepting the invitation, Paul. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so would you like to explain in your own words what is it that you do and how did you find yourself living in Brazil and um, working with people towards, I would say, increasing their, their health overall? Okay, it's a few questions there. I'll start with the most basic, simple question, which is what do I do? Um, I'm a holistic coach. So what that basically means is if you were to look up the word holistic, it means whole and I was a personal trainer for, for like 10 years of my life. And I, I found that a lot of health is separated into parts. So we focus on training or we focus on nutrition or there's a breath coach who focuses on breathing or there's all these it's separated parts that go into the whole. And I started to realize that I don't want to separate the person into parts anymore. So a holistic coach is someone who recognizes the person as whole and focuses on everything, uh, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, and recognizes this as you can't, you can't separate it because one, one part uh, affects the other part. So a holistic coach is someone who recognizes all of these parts and works with you to, to kind of find your way uh, between all of them because every person is different you know I can't you can't give the same workout to one person when they're having problems with their love life <laughs> like or they're having problems with sleeping and then you're giving them a hardcore workout so you re- really really does matter um, uh, it's it's a personal thing yeah <laughs> that makes perfect sense um, oh sorry go for it <laughs> no uh, I was just gonna go on to your your second big question. So how, how did I uh, find myself working with the medicine, I think was the question. Um, okay, that's a funny story. So as I mentioned, I, I was a personal trainer for quite some time in London. And one year I, <clears throat> I decided to go back for Christmas. I usually went back for Christmas to see my family. And my brother bought me a session with the kinesiologist. And I didn't really have too much of a connection with, you could say, alternative therapies 
I was more just kind of put my head down and do my thing. And this session, um, without going into the details, it really just completely changed my perspective of myself. I'm dyslexic and I'd never really spoken to anyone about this. And for the first time in my whole, at this point was maybe 27 years of my life, I kind of, I forgave myself and, and I started to really like love myself. And I didn't really know what that meant. I'd never really spoke about this. And I don't know what you would call it, but I had this inner shift and I didn't understand what it was. So when I went back to London, I started to really research what was this experience? What was this kind of pack of bricks that had been lifted off me? What is that? What did it all mean? And I started to just slowly uh, give up some of my clients and focus more of my time, energy and effort and money uh, towards learning what that was. Um, and then it brought me to a bit of a crossroads where my values, it's like, like I said before about seeing that uh, personal training was only a part of the pie, not the pie. And then I decided that my time was up in London and my job was finished. And I thought, let's, let's do some traveling because I really got to a crossroads and I, I couldn't see myself. I didn't know what was going to happen next. So uh, I decided to go traveling and uh, South America was somewhere where I've always, always wanted to go. And the way that ayahuasca kind of came into it was on my farewell dinner, my brother, as a joke, said to me, um, if you're in Brazil, make sure you go find your spirit animal and take ayahuasca. And now, to me, I had zero idea what he meant. I didn't even know what ayahuasca was. Um, and it was more of a, a funny joke. And then when I was backpacking, people were speaking about you know, ayahuasca and to be honest, most of what was spoken about it wasn't very flattering. It was more of a, like a, a drug that they were speaking, more of just a trip, more of something that's cool. And that didn't really interest me. So I just kind of, um, it's not that I disengaged from the conversations. I just didn't really take it, take much notice. It, just, it wasn't something that interests me. And then through you know, um, you could say just through my experiences, through my life, I ended up in a community in Florinopolis, which is where I'm living currently. And this community was a self-development center, you could say, and they ran months-long programs. And I just happened to find myself there and I was their lead health and lifestyle coach for these programs. And after running a few programs, I met a girl who, again, introduced me to ayahuasca, to the idea of it. Now, she mentioned the way that she spoke about it was a lot more loving, like um, not loving sexual, but loving, um, how would you say, like, like your love for your mother type thing. It was very something that I was very interested in, in exploring. So when she told me about ayahuasca and her experiences and 
her opinions and and her views on life, it really interests me to to explore that further. And so I called my brother in Australia and I told him, hey, I'm going to do ayahuasca. Do you want to come? And he he said, yeah, sure. So he was studying in Melbourne and he literally hopped on a plane and came over to to Brazil and I waited for him to come because it was his idea first. And then I went to my first ayahuasca ceremony with my brother, with that girl and a few other friends. So that was our, that was my introduction. I didn't really understand much about it. I'd heard things that didn't interest me. And then I had one person give this beautiful perspective of what it, what it was to her. And that was my first real introduction to it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, oh. you're welcome. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Let me ask you this. What, how, since this first time, your, I would say, experience of it or your ayahuasca, um, you call it the medicine, um, how, how those experiences have, have been, where is this, where is this going right now? Is it just a thing you, you do once and you kind of, um, I'm, I'm essentially trying to understand whether it's something you do as a one-off or is it some sort of, of kind of like, you could call it like a therapy, if you will, what's the, what's the approach to it? Yeah. So. To put it into perspective, when I, I, I was very much in my head. I was a very, uh, I still, still am very much someone who's in my head. But the, the, that whole concept, like, I, I w- had to be in control all the time. I've, I really felt like I needed control. And the first session for me, uh, the first ceremony for me, my intention was what is spirituality because the idea of spirituality didn't mean it. I, I more looked at spirituality as more of a trend. It, it didn't really, I didn't really get what it was, what it wasn't. I just looked at yoga people and people playing drums and I'm like, Oh yeah, it's a thing. So I didn't understand it. And so my experience, my intention going into the experience was what is spirituality? And that night, it really changed the whole course of my life. And it changed my whole, just, it was, it was again, another one of those, that inner shift experiences that I shared with my kinesiologist at that time. And to me, I, I I saw as spirituality having an awareness and a connection to a greater whole, which meant nothing to me because I felt like I was uh, in the shadow of my mind. And then for a split second, I felt like now my mind was in the shadow of me. I was no longer um, like a slave to what it said because I was like, okay, I'm not you because I've had an experience and a knowing that I'm something that's greater. And you can't unfeel that. You can't unexperience that. And that's what the medicine gave me was an experience outside of this box that I had been stuck in for so long. Um, 
So to me, the medicine, I see it as it's a, it's a pathway into a, a remembrance of who you really are. And, you know, people go to church, people meditate, we have people do Tai Chi, we have all these practices that re- continue to remind us of, of who we are and to bring us back to a center point. Like every day you need to wake up and you go through sequences and like uh, people journal, people have certain spiritual practices that they do. And you ask yourself, why do you do these practices? So what's the purpose of them? And in my opinion, the purpose is it's a remembrance. It's to continually bring yourself back to this center point within yourself. And now ayahuasca for me has become one of those practices. I don't do it every single day, like I do meditation, but it's something that I go to regularly, maybe once a month, um, for the same purpose that someone would meditate remembrance that that drawing into to who i am that, that that center point and before the medicine this meant nothing to me i i had no reference point to when people spoke about um anything kind of spiritual it didn't really didn't, didn't matter too much to me um i think you asked another question about is it something that you would just try once <laughs> um I think because I had a friend who came recently, a mutual friend of ours, and one piece of advice that I gave him was drink it more than once. Drink it at least two times uh, because that first time that we go, usually we're a little bit, uh, little bit scared and we don't fully give ourselves. So we're our mind is still still trying to hold on to uh, to our ego, to our identity. We don't want to just let ourselves go. So my advice would be to someone, if you're looking to take the medicine, drink twice or at least two to three times because uh, it's going to take a little bit of work to get out of your own way. And once you get out of your own way, you'll be very pleasantly surprised with the bliss feeling and sensation that you allowed yourself to go to so i don't think one time it's uh it's enough to really experience the the depth of of what's possible got it let me ask you this a critic could say it sounds like drugs to me what's what would you say to 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 that (laughs) i would ask what's a drug Mm -hmm. because we we tend to say oh this is a good drug and this is a bad drug you know it's okay to to go out with your friends and drink some alcohol but it's not okay to take ayahuasca and have a spiritual experience or so we, we we've kind of looked at some things as being good or bad and i think that's just a matter of, of, of ju- your own perspective and judgment so if, if that's someone's idea of what's bad, I, I can't change that. That's their own, their own journey. But uh, I would put the question back onto the person and ask them, 
you know, why do you classify something as good and something as bad and something's okay and something that's not? Because that that's, you know, we, we've, we've seemed to say it's okay to smoke a cigarette or it's, it's okay to, it's okay when we give someone some pain medicine to deal or in a surgery, we can give them some heroin to deal with the surgery, but the person who's in the street is classified as bad. So it's the, it's the same, the same medicine. It's the same thing just being used in a different way. So I think it's a matter of um, context of how, how it's used because you know, if someone's taking someone something to really escape, or it's not bringing, it's bringing more harm to their life than it is good, then it's like food. Food's a medicine, or food's a drug. So uh, that would that would be my answer without kind of giving my own uh, my own version of what's good or bad, my own opinion, because that's it's relative, right? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. That makes that makes sense. What's the history of this ceremony of drinking ayahuasca? I remember yesterday when we were talking, you've mentioned that it's this has been practiced by the by kind of natives in in Brazil in the Amazon forest. Would you be able to talk a little bit more about that? Um, I can. But in terms of the the origins and the, the history, history. I'm not the best, uh, best person to ask, but from what I, from what I do know, um, it was a medicine that I believe the indigenous have had well before they shared it with the, the white man. Um, my, my opinion was that they allowed us to, to you could say share in the medicine for the betterment of the world in this is my opinion so i believe it was practiced it's been practiced for well 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 before um we knew about it but in terms of the real origins and the real history i'm not i'm not too too aware what i do remember because i i have been into the amazon with the tribe and I remember when we were sitting in ceremony one of the one of the nights. All the children drunk first, and I asked my friend who I, who who brought me into the Amazon, why do all the like the children are drinking? Like, like when do they start drinking? And he said, from when you're a baby, they put a drop on the tongue. And then as you grow, uh, so does your dosage. So that showed me that these medicines, we, we look at them as more of a therapy session sometimes. You know, we go to our therapist more for a transactional thing. I'm feeling down. I go to my therapist. I've, I speak about it. I feel good. That's how we look at it because it's still relatively new in our, in, our, in our society, you could say. To them, it's a way of life. Um, it, it's it's their spirituality it's it to them it's 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 just the same as us going to work or going to church they drink the medicine so i see that as as part of their roots now how far that goes back well um i'm not the best person to 
to ask, but uh, I really saw it as a part of who they were. I think um, we stumbled upon something interesting. <laughs> What's how did you get in touch with with the tribe? Where where in Amazon are they? How far deep into the into the Amazon forest did you have to go to 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 meet them? And and once you got there, what was your experience like? Yeah, this was really special, actually. So um, to kind of give it a bit of context, when I started. My first ceremony, as I spoke about earlier, I kept going a few times. I think I went every two weeks to the same center here in Florianopolis. And I went about four or five times. And then I, when I returned to Australia, I, I really had a strong connection with the owner, Ivan, of the, of the center. And I kept in contact with Ivan. And I said to Ivan uh, about a year later, I was interested in doing a retreat How did he feel about that? Because I wanted to go deeper into the medicine. And then we kind of spoke back and forth and we created a retreat for me, my brother and a friend. It wasn't meant to be a business. It was just meant to be an experience at, at first. And then after a while, after the first experience, the first retreat, Um, we started to go into a deeper and we created an actual business out of it where I combined my work as a holistic health practitioner. My brother combined his health work as a NLP, you could say psychology. He's now studying kinesiology. So we combined this into retreat. And at one of the retreats, because now Ivan and our relationship was a lot stronger, he mentioned to me if I was interested to to go into the Amazon to meet the Yayanawa tribe. Now the Yayanawa tribe is he's connected to two tribes specifically, the Huni Queen and the Yayanawa. And he has very close ties to these tribes. He's the godfather to the chief's son. So he's very very close and connected and it was just so happened to be the chief's birthday. So at a retreat he now Got, had a lot, we built a lot of trust in our relationship and he said, I think it would be good for your own uh, knowledge and for, your, and for the experience of the retreats if we went to the Amazon. Like, do, would you want to come for the chief's birthday? So, of course, I said yes. Um, and then it was just so happened to be the same week as my sister's birthday. So uh, it was me, my brother and my sister we all went together with Ivan um, for the chief's birthday. And the experience was, um, well, how, how do you, how do you <laughs> explain this? It was, okay. First of all, how did you even get there? How, did, how do you get to, to, a, to a tribe in Amazon forest? Like, Do you yeah, take a bus? Do you walk? Do you take a donkey <laughs> and, and track across the jungle? Do you need like a machete and just cut through the jungle for hours? Would like, you know, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good question. Okay, so we started here in Florinopolis. We flew to Acre. It's a, it's a state in Brazil. It's a north, uh, northwest state. We flew to Acre, the major, a major city there, which is fairly run down. Um, everything 
once you get close to the Amazon, the, the towns there are very, 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 very run down. So we arrived in a town. I'm not, I'm, I forget the name of the town. This was quite a, uh, a flight to get there. We had to take two flights. Once we were there, um, it was about a, f- it was a few hours. It was a, f- I forgot exactly. It was a few hour uh, by bus to a certain point on the river. Now the road, I think it would have been quicker if the road was good. The road was terrible. There's no real infrastructure once you get close to the Amazon in this part that we were. So we took a bus to a certain point on the river. And once we got to this point, there were some uh, boats waiting for us. And we hopped onto the boats. From this point on the river till the uh, tribe, I think was about seven to eight hours. So we left relatively early in the morning. And it's just like a boat. I don't know what you would call that. Yeah. But it didn't have much of an it didn't have much of an engine. So just a very long, long, long boat, at least eight hours, and we're going up the river. So it was quite a memorable experience of just being surrounded by just nature everywhere you look. It was quite surreal, to be honest. Let's actually zoom in on this. So how were the boats brought by the tribe, by the tribesmen themselves, where they basically arranging a pickup for you? Or is there some sort of a, like a, so to say, boat ferry line that you can actually (laughs) take up the river? Uh, No, the the tribes, it, it was an arrangement. So the tribes people because it was the chief's birthday they had organized a mini festival a mini a mini uh yeah mini party so there was quite a few boats waiting for us there was quite a few people uh, a few a, a lot of westerners um but generally this is how it works so they will for them they need to leave the day before because it is it is a long long journey um which is where you so i forgot the, the total fee that we paid for the retreat uh, sorry for the for the for the birthday for the festival but there there is a bit of a bit of money because um you need to pay for their accommodation and their their fuel costs so they they came to pick us up and it's really cool because there were had their face faces were painted and it kind of started to to kind of sink in well, this is actually this is actually happening. Um, such a separated reality, you know. We we come from this usually a concrete jungle with, and our connection to nature is the mountain we can see, or we often go to the we might go to the beach, but to be in the midst of it, like in the center of it, and surrounded by nothing but trees, and then to have uh, an Indian with his face painted, it's really it's a really special special moment. So they picked us up, and then. Off we went. <laughs> What's the, or maybe even before I ask that, what do you do? You know the relationship the tribes have between themselves. Are they friendly? Do they fight? What's the? <laughs> do they trade? I'm sure they they have um, the same same but different. Uh, 
you could say situations and circumstances come up in life, um, meaning they they all fight and love and hate and do everything we do just in, in a, their own relative manner. The whilst we were there, they um, from what I saw, their sense of community and um, kind of family and one and, and this oneness instead of being we, we live a very separate you know yeah we have neighbors that you don't even know the names of your neighbors or yeah you have family members but when was the last time you really spoke to them or how much of a relationship do you have with not even your your first family a lot of people don't even have too much connection with their actual brothers or sisters but cousins relatives so for me it was just i kind of saw it as they're one they live in a community everyone pieces in Everyone does their thing and it's for their community, for the tribe, not just for yourself. Um, this was really beautiful to see everyone coming together. So when they go hunting, when they go fishing, they fish as a community, they hunt as a community. So everyone gets food. Um, you know, when they go to, um, uh, yeah, I could everything that I was going to say kind of addresses the same sort of point. So I didn't see any, any arguments, but of course I believe there were, but the, the, the part of it that I saw was just the sense of community and oneness, which to me in my model of the world, this is what a spiritual person is. It's a person who takes responsibility for what they create moment to moment and they have an awareness of how their words and their actions assist and support, you know, the sustaining of what they love and what provides them their existence. And in this case, it's our community and it's the earth and it's nature. So they, to me, they are really connected to this spirituality of, of uh, assisting and support and sustaining their, their, themselves and, and what, gives them, what gives them life. How different is their lifestyle? Because you have mentioned that they must have came a day before to pick you up. How did they know what day it was? And how did they know? <laughs> did they use phones? Was there any, was there, for example, plastic in their village? Do they have garbage disposal uh, for their own purposes, obviously? What's... It has has the, the 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 modernity as we know it penetrated into their village at all? Yeah, uh, I think that th this really depends on which tribes you visit because the Yayanawa tribes quite a, a known tribe. Like if you were to type it into the internet, it's quite a they're quite known. They're quite out there. They're the um, they're doing a lot of work for around the world to get people aware. Same with the honey queen. So these tribes, uh, most people know who they are. So they are quite Westernized in that sense. Um, so you'll find that a lot of them have smartphones. Um, there was, there's a satellite in one of the, in one of the tribe in, cause they have, they don't just have one, one tribe. Uh, sorry one kind of area where they call home. They've got little areas spaced around. And 
one of the areas is a satellite dish. So they've got connection there. Um, so they were quite, this tribe in particular, they have, I mean, they had a, a, um, a generator when we were there. So there was power. So I just think on, I think it depends on the, the tribe and depend because the ones that aren't really uh, in communication and in touch with society, I think that's for a reason. So the ones that are, they're working to try to preserve the Amazon and they're working closely with, with Western. So slowly, slowly things will, will, will pass on. I think, you know, it's like, so it's like, it's, I think it's in their best interest um, to have some understanding of how we, how Westerners go about life in order to contact us and to, to reach us so that we can have more awareness to their lives, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Do they wear shoes? <laughs> um, do they wear shoes? From what I remember, uh, the answer was no, but that's because we were we were in the in the in the jungle um did you have to uh, wear shoes <laughs> i look i'm a bit of a person who um enjoys not wearing shoes i like i i live now in florinopolis which is an island and i wear i wear i'm barefoot more than i'm wearing shoes so i was walking around barefoot but When we went for hikes, um, so some days the the person who's in in charge of their trekking, so I, someone who's really gets the the noises and the tracks, um, I forgot what that person would be called called, but um, uh, I was wearing my hiking shoes because you don't know what you're going to step on. You don't know what's around. So I was wearing it out of pure safety precaution. But uh, when I was around the site, no, I, I wasn't wearing shoes. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't remember whether they were or not, to be honest. You, you'll find, like I mentioned, it, when, when we think, oh, tribes, Amazon, we just think completely disconnected totally. And, and I think, And, and, I, and I really strongly believe there are tribes that are still like that. But uh, the, these common ones, um, they, they, they're quite Western, Westernized. They, they, they have their roots and they still follow their practices. But, you know, they're, they're, eating, um, they're eating sugar. They're, um, they've got their iPhones. They've got their, they're wearing clothes. Like they, when they were there, we had a, there, was a to there was toilets. So... Uh, I think it depends on which tribe you visit and how connected and rural they are or disconnected they are. So uh, I can't speak for all of them. <laughs> uh, no, no, of course. That makes perfect sense. Okay. So you got on to the site. It's the chief's birthday. What the story resumes, what happened, what, what happened while, while, once you got there? Yeah, it was quite a, 
magical experience. So getting there, you know, as you would, I was quite like quiet and um, not yeah, nervous and excited. I, I didn't know what to, what to expect. Um, they had a few traditional kind of ceremonies, like they, they went hunting. So before they went hunting, they did like a dance and then they went off hunting. And when they came back the day after with their, with their foods, they had this big kind of welcoming ceremony of all the meat. So there were cer certain things like uh, certain traditional ceremonies that we got to or rituals that we got to, got to look at. But the main thing was it was four days of or four, five, I don't know, it was about five days. We had a, a few ayahuasca ceremonies. We did a few traditional rituals like um, um, plant baths, uh, floral baths. We went uh, fishing. Pardon? What's, what's a plant bath? Floral bath? Uh, it's like floral bath. It's, it's so before, before the first ceremony, we we did we were all in a big circle and we were dancing it was really a lot of fun and then they they have a special it's i don't know the the specifics of what type of plants but there's a certain plants i believe and they they bathe you in these plants and it's it's like a cleansing it's to clean you to cleanse you and to prepare you for the ceremony that night prepare your energy to clean and cleanse your energy. So uh, it was a nice picture. <laughs> so you're sitting there and having um, an elder bathe you in this special spiritual water uh, with flowers. And with a, then they did a, did a prayer. I don't know there's too many of the specifics about it, but it was a, just a nice, nice experience. Um, and then but one of the one of the uh, kind of memorable uh, rituals that we got to do when we were there, I remember the chief was speaking about going fishing and the importance of uh, fishing in their in their tribe. And when I heard when I thought fishing, like usually we think either you know going fishing with the rod, or I thought okay they've got spears and they're just going to throw their spears in, but we were like a hundred people there. So how the hell is a few tribes people with spears going to, going to feed everyone. Um, so they said, okay, let's all go fishing together. And we all hopped on our boats, went down the river and the tribes, the tribesmen had this special plant or leaves, leaves to a, to a, to a tree, a plant. And they were crushing the, the plant in the ground. Like they had, tons and tons of it and that we were all taking turns just crushing it crushing it crushing it so it's a it's a, it's a it's a ritual and once you crush this plant they were sticking it in these big sacks and then they tipped the 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 crushed leaves into the water and what this plant did is it's it it released some sort of toxin into the water that stunned the fish it didn't kill the fish it stunned the fish so yeah, dude, it was absolutely mental. So they released all these plants into the water and we're walking up the Amazon River 
And all of a sudden, all these fish that I've never even seen before start floating to the surface. And they're not, they're not dead. They're just stunned. They go to the surface, surface to take in oxygen. And you have like kids and everyone just jumping on these fish. And then you have other people like throwing spears at the bigger ones. And it was the most enjoyable, different, weird Oh, it was just a very, very um, yeah, memorable experience of my life, just catching fish with my hands that I'd never even kind of seen before. Be oh, it, was, it was super cool. And then we just caught the fish and then we gave it to, um, there was kind of like all these families, who, the tribe's families, you'd give it to one of, the, one of the ladies or one of the kids and then they brought it back to the tribe and, all the families had food and then we also had food as well. So um, there were certain things like this, just actually not just witnessing how they do their, their, their rituals, but actually taking part in some of their day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week rituals was just uh, really, really nice, really nice to be a part of and to, to see. Were there some, some river monsters that emerged after, <laughs> after throwing in those leaves? Oh, dude, there was some weird-looking fish. I was just really scared. Like, oh, I don't know what their names were, what the names of these fish were, but some really strange-looking things. I, we, I paid, me and my brother, uh, we paid a photographer to, to come with us on the experience because we wanted um, – we liked the idea of having videos and photos and, but we didn't want to spend our whole time taking it. And, um, we have some photos that are just really, really, yeah. The fish were, the fish were weird. Very strange. Wow. Not every, not every day fish that you catch off the rocks from the, when you go fishing with your father, <laughs> not these types of fish. <laughs> no, that, that doesn't sound like it. And <laughs> on the, on the night of Chief's birthday, was there anything particular going on? Uh, we did a an, a big ayahuasca ceremony on the night of the Chief's birthday. We I think we did three ayahuasca ceremonies possible there. Uh, they were all very special. This one, this one was um, strangely special. So, and to give that some, a bit of context. We were all sitting outside in a humongous circle um, and it, it wasn't just Westerners. So because it was the chief's birthday, they invited other tribes, other local tribes up the Amazon. And they, so there wasn't just the Yanawa tribe. There were also chiefs to other tribes and little tribes also camping, also there to celebrate the chief's birthday. Um, I remember at one point, it was starting to rain. It was a, starting to rain. You could see just really dark clouds forming over the Amazon. And all of a sudden, there was a, a gap above us of just no rain. So it was raining and thundering everywhere else in the Amazon apart from above us. And it was just this clear, clear sky. It was super strange. And when the chief started chanting and when he started i don't know what he was doing but he was really chanting these some really powerful 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 songs 
you could see all these spirits and or they look shadows, whatever, if you don't believe in spirits, shadows that were just coming around us. So the night of the chief's birthday for me was just like a bit of a, um, uh, what would you call it? A bit of like a, not a wake up call, but I was just like, whoa, this, this is intense. This, this, this shit's real. <laughs> like <laughs> to really, because literally there was no rain above us. There, there was rain everywhere just apart from above us. And then when the chief was singing, all I could see were these shadows forming around us. So yeah, there was just many, many different um, eye-opening experiences that I had when I was there. Very, very humbling experiences. How long did you stay there with the tribe? I think it was about a week um, by from memory. Yeah, because it was about it was a day to get in, a day to get out, and then about five six days there. Um, yeah, something along something around this because there was a lot of traveling, which took up the time. Like it was two flights to get to the town, then a few hours to get to the point in the river, then eight hours to go up the river. So. You, you, we had to factor in a few days before and after into the into the total trip. So I think in total is about a ten day experience with about six days with the tribe. So okay. well worth it. Very well worth it. Yeah, that sounds insane. Absolutely <laughs> insane. In and so we kind of got to the point where I wanted to to ask you about the other ceremony in which you took part, which is when the chief came to Florianopolis. Um, what, what was the reason for his, especially after you explained how long is the journey from, his, from, his, uh, from where his village is, what was the reason for his travel to Florianopolis and what what was your experience of that or what did you learn if you could talk about that yeah so the the ceremony that i was in uh took part in recently uh was actually with a different tribe so this tribe that i visited for the chief's birthday was the yayanawa tribe a tribe that ivan the owner of the, the center that i work closely with um he's also very well connected with the Huni Queen tribe, which is another Brazilian indigenous tribe. Now, the shaman, this was the shaman and his sons. Now, they had came to Florinopolis um, for specific ceremonies. Now, the reasons that they travel, um, I believe this is just uh, from what I understand, it's to create awareness and to spread awareness of the indigenous, because I think we sometimes forget that they exist. We forget that they're still here. We forget that, you know, that we're, we're a part of this earth where I feel like some, a lot of times we are disconnected from nature. Um, we're disconnected from our roots. So I believe the indigenous come down to spread awareness and to spread awareness of the 
the deconstruction of the Amazon and 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 different environmental causes like this. So their reason for being in Florinopolis, I maybe it was a part of a bigger trip, but um, either way, they were here doing ceremonies. I also think it's to raise. They do it to raise capital, to raise to raise money, um, and it's their way of supporting their their tribe. They can buy resources, and they can send some of their uh, tribes people. They send some of their people to school to learn about you know about um, engineering, agriculture. So they're um, it kind of feeds back into the system, into their system. Um, so they came to Florinopolis, had a a ceremony which my friend told me about the Sarah these ceremonies if anyone gets a chance to do a ceremony with an actual tribes member not just a ceremony with someone who's facilitating I'm not talking bad to any of the facilitators out there but an experience with an actual tribes person it's so different and these chants you you you're really just put back by the 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 sheer power of of vibration of of tune of music like we forget that our voice it's just a sound right it's just a vibration and but this vibration has the ability to change your state you know you can talk bad about someone and it's just a just a word but you feel that inside of you and when you kind of blow this up, they have certain chants that have been chanted for for years and years. This is their they they pass this on. These aren't I don't know if these are written down. They're just passed on by word by word by word. They're so powerful. And in these moments, you I don't know it, you you feel the depth of these 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 chants. These certain vibrations. So the the ceremony with the shaman was the latest one that i went into was just a kind of in one hand was a, a grounding of just like of just feeling the sheer strength and force of these words these chants you know like the power of of these chants and at the same time some of some of the songs were like a recipe for happiness like they have this it's like some of the music you would hear and you just could not help but smile and and dance so i i i see that as as like a um a, yeah it was like a recipe that that you couldn't help but sing along to and dance along to. And I could just see it um, again. The force of these indigenous was to, is they're, they're spreading this happiness everywhere they go. That's kind of how I saw it to feel the, the depth of, of their songs and to really, um, yeah, just to kind of, sometimes we, we, we lose track of what's important to us and to sing and to dance and to connect with people around you. It was a nice, again, nice little grounding and and, and to yeah, bring me back into into center.
what's what was the shaman's name if they even have something like a name <laughs> i don't know um yeah they have names they have um i'm sure they have birthdays as well mm. <laughs> um I, i don't i don't remember the the shaman's name but he was with three of his sons and i remember one of them was uh, 15 years old he was young and you the the these guys are so talented like the music they can play on the on the guitar and on the drums and the way that they can sing it's like whoa these super talented and you can you can feel the difference in uh the 15 year old son versus the older shaman uh, you can feel the experience through the the the, the sheaf force of the ch- the chants um but in terms of their names no i i don't i don't remember their names um that's no, absolutely fine if i was if you remember any any of of the names of the of the tribesmen it would be just interesting to to just get a, a feeling or like any words that maybe you've picked up when you were there just anything that could you know um give a little bit of a of a uh, i don't i I want to say like flavor for what this culture that they have there must be because like even by the sound of name you could you know get a okay this is you know this is how 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 they sound essentially um my best advice in terms of to find some um to find a bit of a reference point would be go onto youtube and type in honey queen honey queen chant or Shipibo chants that's a Peruvian tribe or type in the Yanowa which is a Brazilian tribe and just just uh hear some uh, hear them talk because they they give talks all around the world uh, to to bring awareness and to 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 yeah to to bring awareness to to the Amazon and to their culture and when you you hear their words and hear what they say because a lot of times there's translation under the videos in YouTube it's they're really really they're really aware they're very uh very powerful um very they they their words that stop you in your tracks they're very um i don't know how to describe it they're very powerful words and they make you really question um your own actions so um i would say go into youtube and and type it in because i'm not i'm not too too familiar with their their languages of course of course and just to kind of wrap up this segment do you do, are there any negative or side effects known to science of those ceremonies of this ayahuasca is there any research yeah, on that? i would yeah loads of research um loads and loads and loads of research and i would encourage everybody to do their research when wanting to take any type of um mind altering psychedelic uh because there are risks involved especially if someone has any uh history with schizophrenia or any psychological um yeah history of psychological issues because 
these medicines they bring you there the idea is to to bring you back and to bring you back into this state or to bring it out of you sometimes to get something out it must come back in and out like you must go through it in order to 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 push through it yeah so if someone uh thinks they're just going to take some ayahuasca and and it's just going to be love and and flowers and birds and trees yeah that could be the case but it, it could also be a really challenging experience where you go back into a stressful maybe a um stressful challenging occasion that you've maybe traumatizing occasion that you've that you've 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 gone through in your life and it might take you back there and if you don't know if you don't have the tools and means to deal with that after the ceremony it could put you back into a state or into a position that you've spent 10 years trying to get out of so i really do stress the um yeah like it's a really i really do want to stress the fact the environment that you're taking the medicine in so the the setting and the set the mindset that you're in going into it these will really really have a big part to play in the experience you have and if you don't have the support of how to prepare yourself and the support of how to integrate it after you could be left in a situation where you cause more harm to yourself than it is and uh, then you do good and this was much of the reason why we created the retreat because i i did do a lot of research and i started to really see that okay you're you could be rolling rolling a dice and you have no like you have no idea what's going to come up so how can you best support yourself that when you roll this dice you you can navigate yourself through the experience as safer and that you've energetically prepared your body so that you you're bringing down the risk you know it's it's like um what's a good example if if someone if you drink a whole bunch of caffeine like a whole bunch of caffeine and then you're taking a sleeping tablet like the the two kind of cancel each other out and you're going to cause implications to your health so it's like what things can i do in my day and and that support me drinking this medicine so are there any any things that that's a clash so yeah i would strongly advise people do their research and is there uh complications that can can come from it yes there yes there are so really really do your research and how to best prepare and i think it's important that you have a support network that you can go to after to share your experience and to share what came up and if you have something that's troubling troubling you a trained professional who knows how to deal with this and knows how to talk to you about what you saw or what you experienced uh instead of people who just brush it off like a like a trip um because you know when we dream at night our dreams are so real to us they're so real like you can't separate uh some like a dream and 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 reality it's just one so when we're in this experience the experience is so real to us because we feel it so having someone who who is actually listens to you and can talk you through what you experience and not just play it off like you're crazy i think this is super 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 important to the integration of the experience 
Yeah, that makes sense. Also, worth mentioning um, that um, obviously I am not a doctor. I am just um, interested in in what you're doing and definitely whatever it's uh, it's a it's a remark to listeners whatever you want to do bear in mind that um you need to do your own research and take care and be responsible so um don't come back to us <laughs> in case <laughs> yeah like like a like an example is um i teach people how to to meditate and and how to breathe effectively and correctly coming up to the, our retreat. So for four weeks, I take some through someone how to correct an inverted breathing pattern and then how to meditate. Because when we find ourselves in a challenging situation within the ceremony, if it's like if we can't bring ourselves back to our breath and just breathe, breathe, you can find yourself getting taken by this experience. Just in, it's just the same in life. Like if you can bring yourself back to your breath, you can really stop yourself from going into an, a panic attack or you could prevent anxiety from, um, from growing more and more and more and more just by bringing yourself back to your breath and slowing down your heart rate through focusing on slow diaphragmic breaths. But, to someone that's completely foreign, if they've never done this before and they feel a bit of anxiety rising inside of them and they just run with this anxiety by getting more panicked, more worried, more, and they don't know how to get out of it. Like this could really create a super challenging and panicking ceremony when all that could have happened if you, you just knew how to bring yourself back to your breath, concentrate on the breath, you could have really saved yourself a couple hours of, um, of, of just being in a panic, stressed out state or from one practicing meditation. So yeah, there's a lot of things that's uh, transferable within a ceremony and within, within real life. For sure.